What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. It's almost October, gentlemen, and we've been covering the playoffs nonstop. We're going to take a short break, and by short break, I mean this episode is going to be a banger. This is the Just Baseball Top 100 Prospects. Welcome to the Just Baseball Show. It is a casual Friday. That's Jack McMullen. It's Arm Lane, and of course, I'm Peter Apple. I'm going to be playing some point guard, doing my best Chris Paul impression, because I'd like to say that I know about prospects, but... I don't know prospects like these two gentlemen, especially Arm Layton, who wrote up Top 100 on JustBaseball.com. Make sure to go check it out. Jack, you edited a lot of it, though. You were behind the scenes for a lot of it. Was there anything that made you upset about the Top 100? First yeah, Arm's, Arm's lack of use of the Oxford comma really pissed me off. Uh, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, What's wrong no- with his grammar? Does he suck really? Because I know he, so, he knows his baseball, but how bad of a writer is he? He knows his baseball. Here's the thing. So many times Aram says comma however instead of yeah. comma but. And I'm like, dude, shut the fuck up with this however thing. Let's well, say here's but. the thing. How can I we trust like, you? I feel like I do way too many comma buts. Like it, there's so many comma buts in there. So it's yeah. like if I. So comma but does not stick out like a sore thumb the way comma however does. But what if there's a hundred comma butts? <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? A hundred comma butts is okay. It's more okay than ten comma howevers. Okay, good to know. Is that fair? Is that fair? But yeah, aside fair. from <laughs> aside from Arms' run on sentences and lack of the Oxford comma and, and uh, comma howevers, uh, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Uh, he makes it as easy as humanly possible for me, which which is very nice. Um, and I was. Um, was I telling you this, Aram? Like, th- there's something about editing this top 100, especially with the guys that I've seen, like at the AAA level or last year at the high A level, and even some guys that were in Indianapolis. Like, looking at what he wrote about Burroughs and Priester and Andy Rodriguez, I'm just like nodding along and saying, yep, yep, yep. It really feels like he has watched 150 Indianapolis Indians games, which is exactly I watch what every I want. one of your games. Oh, you sweetheart. Um, Howard and I thank you. But no, it's it, it's just one of those things where um, it, you'll read this and you will agree with the assessment. You may not agree with his opinion, but you will agree with the assessment because this dude watches more MILB.TV <laughs> than anybody I've ever seen in my Got life. My money's worth, baby. Yeah. Did you use You're the absolutely- promo code Indianapolis for $10 off at checkout? No, I didn't know about that. Yeah. Yep. Next year, do it. You got to be pushing the code more, Jack. So yeah. on the call-up, which Aram and Jack are doing more of full analysis, like they're going 
100 to 81, 80 mm-hmm. to 61, doing a bunch of that. So what we're going to do in this episode is kind of big takeaways, then do more of a focus on the top 10 for maybe us layman folk who just want to hear about the bangers, Aram, and I'm here for the bangers. You know, I love that you ranked maybe, you know, one guy 78th, and that's awesome. But I want to hear about Jason Dominguez, and I know our listeners <laughs> want to hear about Jason Dominguez, but for those who want more deep analysis – Definitely go check out the call-up. So without further ado, let's get straight into it. We're going to start at 50 and kind of work our way down. And I thought 50 was an interesting choice because you are a Marlins fan, and I know a (laughs) lot of Marlins fans listen to this podcast. Max Meyer. So on the previous top 100, he was ranked a little bit higher, but he has moved down. Yeah. What moved Max Meyer down, to be simple? Well, you know, of course, the Tommy John doesn't help. Um, but, you know, we, I think we've gotten to the point where Tommy John surgery is just not – it's more of a of a delay than yeah. anything, right? Like you see Tommy John and you're like, oh, this guy's fine. He'll just come back just whenever he does come back. Sometimes most of the time they come back stronger. My concern was – is really just the fastball with, with Meyer. Uh, you know, he made strides with the changeup. We know the slider is one of the best you're going to see. But the fastball is just bizarre. Like the shape is – weird uh to the point where i don't know if there's many other fastballs you, you can compare it to it, it's it lacks so much life that it actually drops but not like a sinker it just like almost like a gyro fastball but not in like that effective of a way it's it's like a dead zone fastball it, it, by definition and you know that's my concern is he has to be so perfect with it and even though it's 93 95 maybe even sometimes 96 it's just not the best fastball. I'm hoping he comes back from Tommy John with a little bit more of the ability to spin it. Maybe it ticks up a little bit. Uh, but I mean, that slider alone, he could Lance McCullers that thing and and throw it 60 times a game and, and have success because he could tell guys it's coming and it's still impossible to hit. So that's why he's at 50. Uh, but a combination of the fastball and the the uh, injury kind of had him drop a little bit for me. Nothing like the poor man's. Well, it's just like nothing like the poor man's advanced dead zone fastball. Just doesn't make (laughs) any sense at all. Um, But I mean, like, I feel like a lot of people say, oh, 97 is 97. At this stage of baseball, 97 is not 97 anymore because Mm -hmm. Bruce Dargratterall gets hit relatively hard (laughs) sometimes on 101, 102 for no reason. But it's also like it doesn't have carry Bruce Dargratterall's fastball. It, It looks. Like it sinks a little bit, but I mean, he has this weird dead zone kind of attribute to it. You need something sexy about the analytics with your fastball to live off of fastball. That's why we see a lot of these high spin four seamer guys excel. That's why we see the Framber Valdez and Logan Webb excel. Everything in the middle is kind of weird. And Max Meyer is perfectly in the middle. The pro about Max Meyer he throws strikes, dude. I was not expecting this many strikes from him no. in Minnesota. I was expecting him to really struggle with command Good and athlete. nibble. That's that's not what he has done in his minor league career. And before we get more into the top 50, I just have a couple of questions too. Because when you're making a list, sometimes the ranking itself is you know a little gimmicky. Like what separates 52 from 53? So before we get further into the rankings, like what what – what about a player do you love more than maybe the general, like other, you know, the baseball Americas of the world, the MLB pipelines, like what grabs your attention more to maybe give them that bump maybe than other publications. And then on this, on the flip side, what is a telltale sign that you think to yourself, 
uh, that's something I don't like maybe more yeah. than the other publications. That's a great question. It's funny. I was actually was just talking about this with uh, my buddy, Mike Rothenberg, uh, played in high school with him and he's in the Tigers org. And he was asking me the same question. Like, you know, what do you, what do you base it on? How do you look at it? And I try to look at every player very holistically is, is like cliche as that sounds because I want to see how a guy leverages his strengths or hedges his weaknesses. And, you know, like a, a perfect example would be, you know, I, I would even look at like a Zach Veen, right? Like Zach Veen has this incredible power and, you know, it has game changing speed to go with it. And we're talking about the power speed combination and, you know, all the things that he brings to the table, but his swing is long and he really struggled in double a, like, I love the tools, but at a certain point, like if the whiff is so detrimental to the point that, you know, he can't get into those tools that have him ranked so high, you have to really take a step back and think, okay, can he hedge his weakness enough to get into those other tools? And the flip side, guys that play off of their strengths, you know, I think I'm looking at like a Mason Wynn who doesn't have anything that jumps off the page besides his freak arm and, and good speed. But if we're talking about the bat, like above average power, but he gets into it really well. He's on the up and up in that regard. He's starting to hit the ball in the air more and he's leaning into that, which would have been perceived as a weakness. He hedges that weakness and then all of his strengths he maximizes. So, you know, those are things I'm always looking at is, you know, how is each guy improving as well? Like Bo Naylor, we'll get to him too, like night and day. Is it just a coincidence? Is he having a nice stretch or does his swing look different? Bo Naylor's swing looked totally different. The moves that he makes, the adjustments that he makes kind of coincide with what I would expect to change and it backs it up. So it's taking the data, parent comparing that with the physical swing, combining the two, and usually you get a pretty good, uh, I would say, hypothesis. Yeah. I, I, the other thing that you got to factor in too is, um, you know, it, it's you're always going to be compared, and, and that's the unique thing about this list. You're always going to be compared with those that are directly around you on this yep. list. And we're talking top 50 right now, 75, 76, and 77 on this list. Take that, for example, because you've got Jonathan Aranda, a 24-year-old who's playing Major League Baseball with Tampa Bay, followed by Cam Collier, who's a <laughs> 17-year-old at the complex, followed by Kyle Manzardo, who is advanced to double-A hitter with the Rays, as you will possibly find. Is that how Kyle- they're going to rank in career war? That's where you're at, <laughs> No, That's the thing, right? It's so ridiculously subjective because yeah. you have to slide the scale here. With Manzardo and Aranda, it's how soundly do I sleep at night knowing that those two are in my organization? With Collier, it's not how soundly do I sleep. It's how excited am I that this guy's in my organization? So you kind of have to look at all these guys and just like fire from the hip. Like, I'd rather have this guy in my system. I'd rather have this guy in my system. And and it's a really, really hard thing. Um, I think look at the ballpark, look at it in chunks of 10, where Cam Collier is a top 80 prospect, but Edwin Arroyo and Owen Casey are top 70 prospects and so on. Absolutely. And and one other thing too, I'm curious what you think of this, Peter, because it's it's kind of like a betting analogy in a way. Cause at the end of the day, these are these guys are all kind of lottery tickets and, and bets is uh, and this might resonate with a lot of the listeners who, who tell you. Um, you know, if you have the opportunity, like Kyle Manzardo, let's say you really like a bet at minus one twenty and you feel good about that and you can take it, or you feel pretty good about a bet at plus three fifty. It's like, how do you weigh what's the better bet? You feel really good about the minus 120. You feel pretty good about the plus 350. Obviously, if you bet, if you take the plus 350, it's going to be 10 to win 35. That's awesome. Uh, But you got pretty good 
almost surefire money at this minus 120 bet you feel really good about. It's like trying to balance those two. Which bet is the better one? It's really tough. So it's acknowledging like how confident are you in that high upside guy? And is it confident enough for you to feel like you could take that in comparison to, you know, a guy that's pretty safe, like a Kyle Manzardo? Can we take a moment to pause for a round of applause for Peter getting to 40 units on the baseball season? Oh, yeah, he did. That was Thank that's you, crazy. It's huge. It's got crazy. So damn hard. And you guys are making me feel good, but I am upset about something. I'm extremely upset. Jack, I want to tell you, Aram, you're going to hear it in a minute, but Aram, Jack, leave the Zoom for a moment. I'm, I'm talking to you for a second. Jack, I think the reason he has Brooksley at 48 and not way closer to the top 20 is he is upset the Marlins grab Jacob Berry <laughs> instead of Brooksley because Aram knows. <laughs> Show me Arum where Jacob Berry is. so high on Brooksley, and for some reason he's at 48. That doesn't make any fucking sense. He's way better than that. He should have gone number one in this draft, yeah. and he should be in the top 30 at least. Yeah, there, well, that has to be a conspiracy because no way he thinks he's 48. So what I will say is, while Brooks Lee is 48, Jacob Berry is the number four prospect in baseball <laughs> on this list. <laughs> Utterly insane. No, yeah. he's upset about Jacob Berry, but he's taking it out on Brooks Lee. Correct. Arm, why are you taking it out on Brooks Lee? You know, <laughs> I, I think he needs to be in an organization that can develop him properly like the Marlins. And ultimately, I just I don't like the twins to develop it now. So, you know, it's funny. I'm really actually glad you brought this up, Peter, because that was something that came up on the TikTok live. People. No one knows quite how to peg the draft guys, right? Because Mm -hmm. it's like we we only can go off of college. And I agree with you. I would have taken Brooks Lee easily in the top three picks. I, I can't believe he fell the way he did. It's another one of those where, like, I'm comparing him against Zach Veen, who's younger and has crushed high A pitching. And he struggled in double, but crushed high A pitching. Whereas Lee, quickly climbing, but he's older, it's it's really hard to compare those two. Like again, it's Brooks Lee, then Elijah Green, <laughs> then Zach Veen. And it's trying to balance that it is is insane. Uh, but no, I, I think Brooks Lee is one of those spots where he could have there's a lot of guys I feel really strongly about where they are. Brooks Lee's a guy that y- you could have floated him almost anywhere. We see MLB Pipeline put the recent draftees way too high. I would say I tend to go lower, like show me first. Um, and then, you know, Baseball America is more in the middle. But I-, I do think that is an interesting talking point. And I know you love Brooks Lee. I, I think he's going to be awesome. He's going to climb quick, I promise. I'm just obsessed with him. I think that the bat is like it's ridiculous. It's going to be close to major league ready as soon as he gets, you know, a full season of minor league ball under his belt. Um, let's keep moving up the list. Why not? We have a lot of Texas Rangers on the list. And first of all, um, I know sometimes we do this. This is one of the fatal flaws of this podcast is, is we don't say the team because sometimes the name I do that translation. I do that on the call. I do that so much. I get it. Yes. Good, so good a point. guy, a guy like um, Brooks Lee is with the Minnesota Twins. Zach Veen is with the Colorado Rockies. You heard about Bo Naylor with the Cleveland Guardians. Like Max Meyer again is with the Miami Marlins. Sonny Deshera is with the uh, LA Angels. <laughs> Elijah, yeah. What's why no Sonny Deshera? Actually, I kind of know why. Elijah Green with the Washington Nationals. Um, there's a lot of Texas Rangers on this list, especially 37 and 38. Evan Carter. Um, double A outfielder Josh Young, who we've seen in the bigs already. You you like this Texas Rangers farm system. You do. I feel like you're higher on Texas Rangers prospects than most publications. Is that true? I, I think so, man. It, it's it's funny because I mean I've always loved Josh Young. 
And then Evan Carter is one that really floored me. And he's somebody that I don't think anybody was expecting to have the kind of year he had. He was more under the radar high school prospect. Rangers liked what they saw. They've been crushing the drafts recently. They liked what they saw with him. They signed him away from Duke. And I mean, dude, this guy had such a good year. He's 20 years old, was 19 for most of the season. 6'4", big projectable frame can hit the ball really hard already, can play center field at a high level, five-tool potential with a great year under his belt. I mean, just the, the Rangers are on to something here. They continue to hit on a lot of their prospects, and it's been, it's amazing. It's, it's coincidental, but I do love a lot of their guys. Number 35, <laughs> Jason the Martian Dominguez. You see what he did last night? No, what did you do last night? Sent one into oblivion last night. Sent two into oblivion. Oh, home I run from each set. side of the plate oh, in I a saw championship the game for Somerset. So one of the biggest risers of this top 100. Yeah, uh, still is not the number one prospect in baseball. <laughs> I'll give you. Uh, it's fine. It's not that big of a deal. I mean, it's sort of a big deal because it'll be wrong, but it's fine. Jason Dominguez of the New York Yankees. He is a big riser, though. Like, what? What did he change? Because he was ranked in like the 60, 70th range, if I'm not mistaken, with and, the last and top 100. off of other lists. Exactly. Off of, oh, no, I'm not just saying you. Like you, you have, you put him on the list when other people removed him entirely. So this is just a, this is a general publication thing. People yeah. are down on him. Then people are jumping back on. Why? I mean, it, it's, it's been unbelievable to see a guy change so quickly in terms of, you know, what his swing looked like when I saw him in person in Jupiter, where I legitimately was like, how am I going to break this to Peter? <laughs> I got, that was my first thought was like, I mean, I'm watching him get gassed up by 87. I'm like, Oh my God. 87? I don't know what to tell Peter. <laughs> and I got, legit Luis Palacios lefty in the Marlins org was, was gassing him up with 87. So to, to hit on like the specifics, it, it was like so many moving parts, his swing, his load was loud. He was heavy on his front foot. He looked like a guy that just had not played a lot of organized baseball. And he was really inconsistent. I wrote a piece on on JustBaseball.com. I know you you shared it, Peter, and uh, I know we got a. I kind of got into the Yankees fan ether there as well with uh, Barstool Hub sharing it and calling it Dominguez porn. But you know, I, I break down a lot of the, the the adjustments he made with the swing, especially from the right side, and quieting all those moves has allowed him to see the ball earlier. He's more consistent. He sprays the ball over the field. He's cut the chase rate down because he sees the ball early. So now he's walking more, sending the ball more consistently. The power hasn't gone anywhere because he's so strong. And he just looks like a more well-rounded hitter. Left-handed swing was always good, but he's kind of taken that to another level. Quieted things down, still has the power, has gotten better in every other aspect of his game. Honestly, by the time the Arizona Fall League's over, he will probably be in the top 25. Fire me up. Jack, Hey, are you a hater or are you a believer? Can I be in the middle? Is that allowed? No. No, um, take a definitive stance mm-hmm. when he's 19 and never go back <laughs> on. Yeah, that's fine. Okay, yeah. so uh, I am now <gasps> believing that he's Mickey Mantle with Good. a little bit less power. Finally. And a little bit more speed <laughs> and probably a little bit less bat to ball. <laughs> I'm somewhere in the middle, guys. <laughs> so Eric Hicks. No, I actually want to hear this. I do want to hear this. What do you think, both of you? I'll go with Jack first because I this I want to like survey people on the street, but no, not enough people would know who Jason Dominguez is. I want to survey like Yankees fans and then just fans around baseball. Like, what do you think Jason Dominguez looks like when when it's when it's done? Like, what if if 
I don't want to say top end outcome. Let's just say, what do you think he looks like when he's done Jack? And then I want to hear Peter's Yankee take. Yeah. So Jason Dominguez this year hit 273 with an 837 OPS in 120 games. He had 16 homers. He had 37 stolen bases. I think that he taps into a little bit more power. He the did speed, through the second half. Yeah. yeah the, the speed dissipates a teensy, teensy mm-hmm. bit. Um, but I think 260 is probably fair. I, I see him as um, a baseline 800 OPS guy with the chance to climb to 850 um, and, and serious 25-20 threat. I think he's a 25 homer, 20 stolen base guy that hits in the mid 200s, whether it be like 260, 270. See, I'm a little bit higher on him. Um, I was thinking my guess for what he is during his prime was like a 250 hitter. I think he's always going to strike out a good amount. I think it's always going to be near that 30% range. But I think he's going to be a guy who does get on base. And I think the 30 home runs is possible. Like, I'm not ruling that out. I think the power that he showed this year is real. So I think he's going to be a 30 home run. I think he's going to be around 25 steals. But I think he's going to be a fringe defender out there. I think he's going to be fine. He might even move to a corner. If they move him to a corner, it would be great. Because if he goes to left, I think he's a plus defender. Like, he's got a mega arm and he's, his, his reads are going to get better. He could play right, too. That, that I think, is an important thing, too. Uh, I will say, though, I the reason why I think he could climb quickly is I started to really be impressed by the hit tool. Yeah, like, yeah. I had huge hit tool concerns. He doesn't strike out And now, out all of a sudden, much. he didn't strike out much. And I'm like, okay, if he looks like this, like because I was all in on him. I'm like, 30, he's going to be a 30% strikeout rate guy. Then I'm watching these adjustments, and I'm like, if he's closer to the low 20s, this guy might be a high 800s OPS guy. Might be, you know, that that all star type. So I, I think that's the the range. What we're looking at is what, kind of what what Peter said, and you know, kind of what Jack said, somewhere between those two, uh, and give or take. But if he continues on this trajectory, the swing decisions got so much better that I think he could he could end up surprising a lot of people. So I'm not sure if it's a Yankee thing or if it's a unique to Dominguez thing, but he only played center field in his pro career when he's been in the outfield he's been in center yeah. i know a lot of organizations will try guys even for like a one-off game in a corner but that didn't happen once last yeah. year or this also year, early which, it's pretty early though right but i mean 120 games and you yeah. don't play a single game in a corner wow it's kind of weird that is weird you think they're just trying to get him as many reps as possible out there i think so yeah but I, I don't know. You would think that they would just give him a taste because when, when you get up, you're going to be asked to do something in, in your first month of Major League Baseball. And the more stuff you do at the minor league level, the more prepped you are. Like Oswaldo Cabrera was very prepped to play anywhere. Obviously, uh, Jason Dominguez is not Oswaldo Cabrera, but Jason Dominguez, if he's asked to play left because Harrison Bader's still there and he's playing center, then he should be able to do it. And don't you want him getting a rep or two like that in Somerset or maybe Scranton next year? Very interested to see how he, where he plays in the fall league. Yeah. And before we get into the rest of the list, because we got a bunch to go, we're going to take a short break to tell you about Diet Smoke. Diet Smoke is the solution to avoid these, oh shit, I'm way too high moments. 
Diet Smoke makes Delta 8 THC, Delta 9 THC, and CB products that are perfectly balanced. Their gummies, drinks, and vapes are not only delicious, they are guaranteed to give you that beautiful buzz that you've been looking for without melting you into the couch. They extract their THC and CBD from American-grown hemp, meaning they can ship, ship directly to your door. No prescription, no sketchy weed dealer, no need to even leave the house. Diet Smoke just released a bunch of new products and flavors, so no matter what type of mood you are in, they got you covered. So if you're ready to get that perfect high, head over to dietsmoke.com and use code just baseball for 15% off your entire purchase. That's code just baseball. One word must be 21 and older to order. Let's get further into the list. And I kind of want to get back into the draft conversation because these two guys are new draftees and they're ranked very high. And I know we kind of talked about the how hard it is, and you want to see more from these guys, and I totally understand that. I just want to know the difference between Drew Jones um, from the Arizona Diamondbacks, who was picked second overall, to Jackson Holiday, who went number one to the Orioles. Like, Why is Drew Jones ahead of, of this list? Drew Jones is at 26. Jackson Holiday is at 29. Like, What is the difference here? Why not Jackson Holiday number one? Yeah, no, that's a that's a great question too. Um, I'm full of them. I'm full of them, Mark. Chris no, Paul. Chris that, Paul, you know, there he is. Yeah, he's diamond right now. You're more uh, of like no. a Rubio. <laughs> hey, he still dimes. He still uh, dimes. Th- that was that was a great question because honestly, it was something I, I if we talk about certain things that I spent the most time thinking about on this top 100 list, that was one of them. Um, I thought about it from this lens. I'm starting a franchise. Who am I taking? And Based on everything I looked at, I ultimately want this. The I think they both have five tool upside, right? So ultimate, and they both have bloodlines. They both have fathers who played in the big leagues, which is very important. Ultimately, I'm like, okay, I'm going to take the guy that I feel like in the worst case scenario is still somehow a big leaguer. And I think that's Drew Jones. If Drew Jones doesn't hit, which I think he will, uh, I think he's shown a natural feel to hit already. He's a one of the best defensive outfield prospects we've seen out of high school. I mean, he is a guarantee to stay in center and a guarantee to be a plus defender out there just about uh, unless something, you know, unforeseen happens physically to him. I mean, he is that good. He'll get more, you know, comfortable with his reads and routes. They're already pretty good. Uh, whereas, you know, Jackson Holiday is a shot to be a good shortstop, but is he going to be one of the best shortstops in the game? Probably not. Drew Jones, I could say, will potentially be one of the best defensive center fielders in baseball. He reminds many evaluators that were old enough to see his father of his father when he was coming up. So, you know, obviously you're hoping that he he can hit as much as his dad did power wise and, and do the things that he did. But I think it's, it's safer to almost guarantee that his glove's going to be what, what we are hoping it can be. And if he can hit even a little bit, his floor is way higher. And I think they both have similar offensive ceilings. Jack, what's your read on these two guys? My read is the opposite, but I trust Arm. <laughs> um, my read is like, I'm, I don't know. And and you get such a limited view at high school guys that are taken in the draft. Like nobody knew anything about Mickey Moniak when he went one, one, let's be honest here. Um, like obviously the Phillies did their homework and all the other, you know, teams that were in the draft and did their homework. Not enough. That, that six um, minute YouTube video wasn't enough. Like highlights. Yeah. So that that's, that was the extent of my pre-draft knowledge on Drew Jones and Jackson holiday. And based on 12 total minutes of understanding and the only, like the only not college person in any sport that I'm truly prepped on is Victor Wemboyama. I, every night, <laughs> every night, 
several times a week. Um, but no, I mean, Jackson Holiday and Drew Jones, my read on the two six minute videos was Holiday looks a little bit more like a high schooler now versus Drew Jones looks like a, a true pro. It's so clearly obvious that Drew Jones has the range to be and, and has the athleticism to be one of the best center fielders in the game. But there was something like short about Drew Jones's swing that felt oh, like no, the swing, the, the swing, the swing needs work. Absolutely. The swing needs. I, that was my thing. I just I didn't see with my naked eye as much work needing to be put into Jackson Holiday's swing and Drew as Drew Jones. And that that played massively in my head. OK, no, I think that's 100 percent sure. I think Jackson Holiday swing is way ahead. Um, and we saw that in, in limited looks in low A. Uh, I just. I look at what he's already shown bat to ball wise. And also Drew Jones has already popped like one Oh fives, one Oh six mile per hour exit velos in the high school circuit, which is, which is crazy. He's um, disgusting. He's, he's, he's a freak. And even with the, like he, the, the, the D backs are aware of the swing. Um, he's aware of the swing. And even with that, he remained extremely productive and, and controls the barrel. Well, it's slight tweak. And all of a sudden, you know, I think he could end up being the freak of all freaks, but yeah, I, I think that it's a little bit safer, maybe bat wise, but I think just overall profile wise, I'll take the elite center fielder. And I think he's going to find a way to, to iron out that swing a little bit, but your takeaway is a hundred percent. Correct. Jack, that swing is in and out of the zone too quick right now. Here's, here's something that nobody wants to say, and it's not a take that has any real merit or any brain power really behind it, but someone's got a bust. So when I was watching, the short YouTube videos and I was trying to do my due diligence on these guys when I was when we were covering the draft was Drew Jones is the bust makes no real sense but when I watched the different swings I saw well in the draft not all top 10 of the guys are going to be all all stars so who's going to be the bust and I picked Drew Jones because I only had a couple of options Let's and go. I went with Drew Jones so Let's I'm actually going to stand on that for the rest of my life is that yeah, cool? I'm going to write that take down that works good <laughs> Good. Right, we, needed we needed a take. We needed a take. We got a take. Never going to be anything, Arb. So I had no fun. idea where you were going with that, and that actually was everything I was hoping it would be. That was great. <laughs> there we go. So Red Sox fans are in shambles. Marcelo Meyer did not crack the top twenty, and Jordan Lawler was ahead of him at number twenty. Was this an fu to Red Sox fans, <laughs> or do you generally think that Jordan Lawler is better than Marcelo Meyer? Well, of course, if you ask any of the Red Sox fans who listen to us, they'll say it was 100% an F you to them. But what I will say <laughs> is, is I actually like Red Sox prospects. It's once they graduate to being a Boston Red Sox is where the resentment grows. It's like, you know, but really like Tristan Casas, I absolutely love and we'll get to him. But ultimately comparing Waller and Meyer is another one where it's like, this was a, a, process that i thought about i actually texted jack about this and i said here is the breakdown here's everything that i took away from this you tell me which guy is more valuable to and and you know i think jack kind of agreed with me and i'm interested to see what he ends up saying here and then i'll, I'll give you my breakdown too peter and you can provide your thoughts on this too because meyer actually has more power potential um lawler is actually the better bat to ball guy which is not how i don't i think we thought it was going to go lawler is the better athlete Lawler will be a better defender at shortstop overall. Meyer has, I think, one of the more polished swings, though, you're going to see. And I think it's going to develop into making the hit tool conversation very close. Meyer has more physical projection. I think the power is going to be 
actually a notch higher than Lawler for the foreseeable future. The, the eggs of Elo is already better. Left-handed stick versus right-handed stick. But I think Lawler has the edge on defense. Lawler has more than the edge on speed. Meyer's an average runner at best, I think, at this point. Meyer has the power potential, and he swings from the left side. And it, that's kind of where we're at here. The tiebreaker that kind of put it over the top is the fact that Lawler ended up in double. And I know the numbers weren't sexy, but he finished strong, whereas Meyer was in high A with swing and miss concerns. So Lawler's safer, a little bit more well-rounded at this point. I'd say Meyer way more offensive upside to dream on, but I think Lawler provides enough upside where you're like, I like the balance of, you know, it's pretty high floor, still really high ceiling. Jack? Um, I like Marcelo Meyer so much more than I like Jordan Lawler. I lie to arms face constantly because I want to see him fail. <laughs> Do you guys want me to say more serious things? I feel like I've been joking a lot. No, no. I like, I like the intro of something on serious and then getting to the serious instead of you just drop something. And then just wait for Peter to and chime then just in. Like, hello. Yeah. So these two are going to be stacked until the end of time. It's Andrew <laughs> Luck and Robert Griffin, the third. Right, and, and one it's, was way better than the other. Mm, they're both out of the league. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, but like they're always going to be in the same conversation, right? Um, yeah, Mahomes and Trubisky and Watson, <laughs> and I mean, it's it's Burrow and Tua that were that we saw last night. It's well, it's Fields. the same. Sure, <laughs> it's the same kind of conversation here, and that is. Um, what makes it so interesting? Like it, it's, it's Lawler and Meyer versus the field where you pick where they are, but then it's a Lawler versus Meyer conversation every time. And I'm with Aram here wholeheartedly. Like he laid it out plainly for me. And I said, Lawler, because it's a WRC plus versus war conversation. I think at the end of their career, Meyer is going to have a noticeably better WRC plus than Jordan Lawler. But I think at the end of their career, Lawler is going to have a noticeably higher war than Marcelo Meyer because everything else that Lawler does to enhance mm -hmm. his value for the Diamondbacks is, I think, bigger than what Meyer does to enhance his value for the Boston Red Sox. But I do think Meyer will be the better hitter. Lawler stole 39 bases across the three levels on 45 tries this year. Yep. Like He's just so dynamic. And that... he is a disgusting defender gross I, I put up some of his highlights it, it's it's crazy so i could see meyer moving to third long term and you know we'll mash there but again it's it's an f4 thing for us when we do the rankings that's another important thing i'm trying to project f4 here which we'll get to at the top of the top and i think like jack said f4 lawler you guys know back to a gambling analogy you know when a bet almost makes too much sense that it's it doesn't caked. end up working out yeah it's yeah. caked like the yeah. lawler over mars you guys broke it down so beautifully that now i think meyer is going to be better just because <laughs> it was too logical like it was too good of an argument no, and now you know meyer is going to be a 10 time all-star and jordan lawler is just going to be a, a a rich man's Kevin Newman well and i hope you know that carson williams is going to be better than both of them by a country yes. mile and Ronnie Mauricio. <laughs> yes. I want to I want to talk about some pitchers. Um, Kyle Harrison, Daniel Spino, both 21 years old, both within the top 20. Both are phenomenal. Kyle Harrison, the lefty with the Giants, Daniel Espino, the righty with the Guardians. Everything I hear about Kyle Harrison is that 
as a minor league hitter, they put you up against Kyle Harrison to see if you're ready for the big leagues. We saw him in the Futures game. He seems like maybe the best left-handed pitcher in the minor leagues. But Daniel Espino on the same side, what is there to be wrong about Daniel Espino? Jack, I'll start with you. I, I want to throw one more name in there because Kyle Harris is not the best pitcher in the minor. Is not the best left-handed pitcher. Oh, I'm in the getting minor there. Leagues. Oh, I'm getting there. You know, I'm the point guard, Ricky Rubio style. But it, we gotta we gotta chunk Harrison and Tiedemann together. Okay. My thought is you you gotta look at those two together, and we can talk Espino too. I think Espino is his unique thing because he only started what two games, three games, four games. Third time's the charm, four games. I knew he started more than one. That was big. That was a good stepping stone. But Espino has been out for the majority of the year. So in this chunk, it was Harrison versus Tiedemann. Kyle Harrison is a strikeout artist, and he doesn't miss spots. Wild. And and Aram, before the start of the season, comped him to Trevor Rogers before Trevor Rogers was, you know, uh, (laughs) headed down the slope into into, uh, mediocrity. But Kyle Harrison, he's got the fastball and the changeup that plays off the fastball so well from a high arm slot. Tiedemann is a different look, different shape to many pitches than Kyle Harrison. But Harrison, I'm with you, man. I I think that at some point next year, you're going to see Logan Webb and Kyle Harrison starting back-to-back games, and you're going to say, oh, baby, Farhan did it again. Like Kyle Harrison is one of those guys I just latch on. I yeah. just from everything I've seen, I think he is a dog. And but Tiedemann with the Blue Jays has also been an incredibly high riser too. Like what was the separator there between? No, those that, that's that's the fun one because that was a question I think we got in the mailbag. It was like, who do you like better, Tiedemann or Harrison? And it's funny because they're so similar, extremely young guys that just quickly quickly climb through the minor leagues and just dominated dudes with a electric fastball and good secondary stuff that I would say Tiedemann has better command, uh, which, which definitely puts him a little bit over the top. And I, I believe in Tiedemann's pitch mix a little bit more. I think it gives him, you know, a little bit more of a buffer. Whereas for, for Harrison right now, it, it's fastball slider change up and he hits his spots. Like Jack mentioned with the fastball, especially at the top of the zone, he gasses guys up. But when you look at Tiedemann, I just think his arsenal is just a little bit more balanced where he can give you a a few different looks. And I I think what he's done already is a little bit younger at a little bit higher of a level and really put up, I think, better overall numbers. Tiedemann gets a little bit of the edge for me, not as much reliance on just gassing guys up with elevated heat, a little bit more pitchability. I have a 60 on his fastball. I have a 50 present, 60 future on the slider, and then a plus grade on the changeup as well with slightly better command. Whereas, you know, Kyle Harrison, it's a little bit further off with the command. So I lean with the three-pitch mix. Also, physical projection matters. I mean, Tiedemann's 6'4", 220, pretty effortless. He's a big dude uh, and a good athlete. More than Nate Pearson. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, God. God. All right, before we get into the top 10, number 11 is very interesting because number 11, if you look at, You know, a lot of publications, they are so, so high on this 18-year-old who's been in double-A for the Milwaukee Brewers, the outfielder, Jackson Chorio. Couldn't tell you how many people are obsessed with this man, this 18-year-old man. And for good reason, right? You have him at number 11. You're very high on him, too. But I almost felt like somewhat of a reaction was, how are you so low on him? (laughs) And in my eyes, it was like, why are we so high on him? Where do you land? I, I think right where he is, right? I mean, uh, yeah, this, I mean is, yeah. this is it's right a to... huge, 
he's a huge jump. I he was unranked. He was unranked this year, right? Like nobody knew who he was. Yeah, nobody like knew. he put up some high exit velos, and now he's the best prospect in baseball. Yeah, I, that, no, I he's think the second I, best prospect. Second, in baseball. Yeah, true, true, true. <laughs> For whatever reason, everyone puts him two because one would be too crazy. Oh like, yeah, I, I see what everybody loves, and and the big thing that I think puts him over the top is is kind of the similar thing with Drew Jones is that his glove is already elite in center. So uh, I think guys and, and evaluators are. are yeah, he could be yeah. Pache. He could legitimately be Pache. He's not. He's not. I promise he's not, not going to be Pache. <laughs> yeah, but Pache was ranked pretty high by some publications. The highest. Similar. Yeah. Um, you know, look, I, I think he showed a lot of really good things, and, and he's way ahead of his years, obviously, at 18 years old. But there's whiff here. There's chase rates. The power has been impressive. He's flashed some great exit velos, but at the same time, it's, it's not off the charts. So, I mean, if I'm – if I'm looking at what he's done, you know, 109 max exit is great for an 18 year old. Really, really, really good. But we're talking about number two prospect in baseball here. Like you would rather roll the dice on Jackson Chorio than take Corbin Carroll or Gunnar Henderson. No. Or even, you know, Jordan Walker at this point. I, 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 I just find that Ellie De La Cruz, you know, I, almost what a year and a half older and putting up numbers and double as a switch hitter. I, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves here. This kid has five tool potential. He could be really good. He put up really, really good numbers, but I, I think we're a little early to to be putting this guy way up there. And he doesn't have as much physical projection, I think, as some of the other guys that would get this kind of helium. Jack, um, as a guy with just kind of hot takes in this, I'd put him yeah. sixty. He hasn't earned it. He hasn't earned it for you. Me. Put Chorio at sixty. Yeah, maybe seventy. Why? I, I wouldn't mean, rank Jackson Chorio in the top one thousand prospects in Major League Baseball. I need more grit. I haven't seen enough staying power. Um, so, okay. Khan, he was a Wisconsin Timber Rattler. Which is they have con. pro. <laughs> they have a Bratwurst cannon at Wisconsin Timber Rattler games. Pro. Pro. He played for the Biloxi Shuckers for a teensy bit at the end of the year. Pro. That's and a pro. Biloxi, that place was a movie. Biloxi okay. was. <laughs> I don't know what kind of movies you're watching. I don't know if that's that's the right way to describe that it. Show, but, you know, Mississippi, that shit was a movie. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> Any uh, anything else other than he ate hot dogs in Wisconsin? He didn't eat them. Uh, they they've got the cannon that they shot into okay. the crowd. So he was playing in front of the in front of the hot dog or in front of the bratwurst cannon. But what? I mean, he's just a freakazoid. He's a yeah. freak athlete, but he's 18 years old. I am. I'm not that interested in making an 18 year old a top 10 prospect in baseball. And I liked it. You know, Aram, he, he heard the noise. He cross-checked it. He really liked it, but he didn't say, you know what? Yeah. He's, he's top five. Like not yet. If he does this next year, then yeah. And we'll make the update. And I take back my, my coward comment about Brooks Lee because you did do that with Jackson Troyo, and I commend you for that. But I'm still upset about Brooksley. I'm not gonna <laughs> lie. I'm still upset about it. Let's get into the top ten. Andrew Painter, 19 year old, six foot forty pitcher on the mound for the Philadelphia Phillies. This guy, Arm, I've just heard you grow more and more and more in love with Andrew Painter on the Phillies. This is the highest I've seen Andrew Painter in anything. Yeah. So you must be higher on him. Like, are you even thinking he should be higher than this, but you're honestly kind of afraid to put him higher? Or do you think 10 is perfect? Uh, you know, it's funny. I, I had a moment where he was, where I was seriously considering putting him over Yuri Perez. And it was after I watched more 
more Yuri and I've seen Yuri in person a lot. Um, so I, yeah. I was trying to hold myself accountable here and say like, okay, you know, I, I've had more in-person looks at Yuri. You know, is this a little bit more of just the confirmation bias here? And um, I, I use the data to kind of cross check myself here. And, and Yuri is such an alien uh, across his entire arsenal that uh, he, he got the edge, but ultimately, I mean, that that was almost Painter was almost top eight, but number ten for Painter I think is way higher than anybody else has had him, as, as you pointed out, Peter. And this guy's six seven two twenty. He's nineteen years old. His fastball sits ninety six to ninety eight with twenty inches of induced vertical break, which is like you know uh, among some of the best. That's like what Strider does a lot of the time. Uh, he throws it for a strike, which is the craziest part. The guy walks six percent of batters this year. He walks six percent of batters as a six foot seven, eighteen now nineteen year old climbing through multiple levels, three levels in the minor leagues. Like that is insane. Pair that fastball with a slider that already looks plus and a changeup that he's already shown a little bit of a feel for. I, this is, I think one of the next best pitching prospects in baseball. Grayson Rodriguez is going to graduate. I think Yuri will graduate before painter painter will be the top pitching prospect in baseball. Uh, ultimately need to see a little bit more of a feel for the changeup because he's pretty much almost exclusively fastball slider. I love the flashes we've seen at the changeup. But this guy could dominate you with two pitches for the most part. And we've seen guys in the big leagues do it. Javier, you know, Strider. I think he could fit that same mold, but I believe the changeup is is better than uh, those guys were at this stage for sure. The catching position is loaded in the top 10. At number nine, Diego Cartaya, Los Angeles Dodgers. Number nine is very good, but when you're the third best catcher at your position (laughs) or third best player at the catching position, it is kind of funny, but it's hard not to love everything about what Diego Cartaya has done at number nine, right? Oh my gosh. I mean, and this is someone I'll wear, I'll wear this one. Uh, I, I doubted Cartaya a little bit in terms of uh, definitely a top 100 guy. But, Why would you doubt a Dodger prospect? What are you doing? Because I'm an idiot. Um, <laughs> like, I was looking at a swing, man, and I'm like, he definitely had some issues. Uh, some similar issues that, that Jordan Walker has a little bit right now with sliders. Front side pulling off. And just they started to see more spin, more spin, more spin. And they were just swinging through that. That was a big problem for Cartaya. He was very pull happy. But I, again, should have thought, okay, this is an 18, 19-year-old who is in the Dodgers organization, right? Like he's going to figure it he out. He would do well in that organization. He, I think they'd develop me. <laughs> yeah. I agree. He figured it out, man. And, and I mean, he earns such high marks behind the dish, uh, the way he commands a game, the way he calls a game, uh, his defensive ability overall. He's going to be a really good, well-rounded catcher, but the offense really ticked up this year. He's going to strike out, but like, who cares? Because he's going to hit 25, 30 home runs. He's going to hit a lot of extra base hits, and he's going to do a lot of great things defensively. But I am very interested to hear um, Jack's perspective, too, on the catcher stack, because the catcher stack is a nightmare. It is. It's, it's an absolute nightmare. Um, Cartaya has the has like absolutely the ability to be the best defensive catcher on this list. Um, and twenty two doubles, twenty two homers in ninety five games across low and high A this year as a nineteen year old is absurd. Um, I think Cartaya is great. He is exceptional. And the Dodgers, it's gonna be really funny seeing Justin Turner hang it up. Will Smith become the DH and Diego Cartaya be the catcher Mm. factory, the LA Dodgers. Um, The catcher stack was interesting and we're going to get to the other two guys. I think you stacked them perfectly. Hey, thanks. Yep. Look at us all coming together. (laughs) I actually think based on how good the analysis is, there's no way Diego Cartaya is definitely going to be the best Jordan Walker at number eight with the St. Louis Cardinals. 
Um, I love him. I think he is potentially an Aaron Judge type figure in this league. Um, the power is there. The bat to ball is there. They've tried him at a bunch of different positions, and he seems to be at least working in most of them. Jordan Walker at number eight. Could he be? Could he rise even higher than this? Yeah. Or do you think eight is? I mean, of course, you think eight is a good spot for him. But I'm, yeah. I'm just trying to pick it apart. I'm trying to pick it apart here. Yeah. I, he he could legitimately if he if he's in the minor leagues long enough next year he could be the number one prospect in baseball. What does he have he, to do? I think you know that's that's actually the the best question. That's I. What does he have to do to get to number one? Show signs of being able to play above average defense in right field. I didn't dock him for that obviously because he just made the, the the move out there and I think showed some improvements. Has a ridiculous arm, so I, I think he'll be able to settle in out there and he's an above average athlete. Needs to get better against breaking balls. Needs to, you know, mature with his approach a little bit, and it, which is surprising to say because he he did hit really well overall. But I think some some gaps in his approach started to get exploited a bit more as the season went on, specifically with sliders. And if you look as the season went on, he started to see more and more and more sliders. And by the end of the year, he was actually seeing more sliders than fastballs. Uh, that's something that I think would get exploited a bit more at the big league level, um, which is why he's a little bit further off, but he's 20 years old. He's shown ridiculous power. Uh, he's shown a knack to hit still for a guy of his stature and a guy of you know his youth that you don't see very often. So I think he's going to get there, but to be in the same conversation with these other guys, right? I'm comparing him to an Ellie De La Cruz. Ellie De La Cruz whiffs too, but Ellie De La Cruz is a switch hitter with plus plus speed who can play shortstop. Jordan Walker is, you know, a right-handed bat with, you know, maybe above average speed that probably won't sustain who's learning a new position. And, you know, that's ultimately what kind of kept him out of the, the top five. Jack, do you think it was a mistake that the Cardinals didn't package him with maybe a Carlson and, win and and these guys for one set no because mm. if he becomes the best hitter in baseball you're kicking yourself and i think yeah. this guy think more than be. yeah more than any other person on this list i think jordan walker has the highest possibility and again the probability of this happening for any of the guys on this top 100 list are so ridiculously low i mean you yeah. like it, it's one every 10 years but I do think that Jordan Walker, more than anybody else on this list, could be the best hitter in baseball at one mm-hmm. point in his career. I, I, I think think it arm. Rank him higher, coward. <laughs> so, well, here's the thing. F war, right? And if we're looking at overall value, um, you know, what, what is he going to be able to provide beyond the bat? He is the only guy on this list with 80 raw power future, 70 present, 80 future. Uh, that's oh. worth noting. Um, that's insane. And you know, I think I think he can be a, a passable defender. But if he's a passable defender, he's going to have to be legitimately the, one of the best bats in baseball to to compare to the you know F WAR value of, of the other guys based on the outcomes. I think they're going to have ahead of him. Number seven, Yuri the Alien Perez with the Miami Marlins, nineteen year old. We saw him at the Futures game. I think you said it yourself, Arm. The reason I keep calling him an alien is because he kind of looks like an alien. He's like <laughs> six foot seven. He's all lanky and rangy, and he throws absolute darts, and he's got a bunch of off-speed pitches. He's with your Marlins, and honestly, I thought you definitely do not bring bias into this. That's like what I love about this list. It is objective. It is, I think this player will be better because of this, this, and this. 
And I honestly thought you might rank him even higher than this. I thought he could potentially be the best pitching prospect, maybe outside of Grayson, maybe move him up, but seven seems like a good spot for him. Just shower me with Yuri Perez propaganda. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, getting to watch this guy in a, a very quiet setting on the backfields was incredible. I mean, you could hear the the like hiss of the ball out of his hand because of the, the spin rates that he generates. I mean, he generates more spin on his fastball than some guys do on their breaking balls. 2,500 RPMs on his fastball. The amount of life it has is comical. He averages 97 miles an hour on the fastball, but here's the best part. He's six foot eight, releases the ball, what feels like 10 feet from home plate, and, and he pounds the strike zone. Yeah. Pounds the strike zone. Walked 8% of batters this year. It landed his fastball for a strike 72% of the time. On top of that, he has a slider, a changeup, and a curveball that he will mix in. All three he commands pretty well. The changeup lags behind command wise. We're talking about a six foot eight freak who repeats his mechanics well, pounds the strike zone with a 70 grade fastball a potentially 70 grade slider an above average curveball and a changeup that flashes plus. This is one of the youngest players in double a had success. Numbers were a little inflated by one or two bad starts. I mean, this is one of the more unique unicorn pitching prospects we've really ever seen. And if you have Grayson Rodriguez graduate, I mean, no brainer. I think he's the number one prospect pitching prospect in baseball. Yuri Perez is and six, eight who throws strikes with four pitches is, is just a joke. Jack, I keep trying to give guys nicknames and none have caught on. No one calls Camilla Duval the Velociraptor. <laughs> can like can we start calling your Yuri the Alien Perez? Like I came up with that. I this is a great nickname. I'm giving myself full credit here. Wow, what a job by me, right? Yeah, great job by you. You're super handsome, super smart, <laughs> funny, talented. Um, I heard you have something good going on down below, which is cool. Oh. <laughs> I'm kidding. Dude, shut um, up. I'm talking about nicknames. <laughs> um, listen, man, I'm not I'm not gonna latch on just yet. I will wait for somebody else to uh latch on to it and then I will I'll I'll join and I'll say, you know what? I'll, I'll whisper that Peter was the first mover here, but I'll say, Yeah, I, I know the guy that I know the guy that first called him the alien. It I do want to shout out that that fastball spin though, because Yuri Perez and Andrew Painter are are very similar in that they have no business throwing as many strikes as they do because they're tall, they're skinny, they're young. Why can you throw so many strikes? Um, That is beyond me. That's more alien-like than his actual build. Like he and Painter are, how do you repeat your mechanics? And and Yuri and Painter, they're pretty simple mechanics. Like it is point A to point B. You work station to station. But fastball spin, Ara mentioned it's a 2,500 RPM fastball. Minimum 1,000 fastballs in Major League Baseball this year. So starting pitchers, pretty much, that threw 100 innings or more. Three starters had their four-seam fastball sit at 2,500 or above. Michael Kopech, Julio Urias, and Dylan Cease. So Yuri Perez has a higher spin fastball than the guys that define high spin fastball. Garrett Cole, Justin Verlander, Blake Snell. How about Justin Steele, recent guest, uh, Christian Javier. All these guys are high spin four seam guys, lives well at the top of the zone. Yuri's better than all of them at generating spin. And just the spin rate conversation, why I think it's so important, especially for fastballs, is that spin gives it that life. Yeah. That you, it looks low in the zone, and then it just has the appearance of it rising up. And like the high right. fastball, it just has that 
that Nolan Ryan, you know, have you guys seen that new documentary on Netflix about Nolan Ryan? It's awesome. No. Did you watch something that wasn't baseball on TV or football? That's crazy. I did. It was like 1130 at night. You know, I was I was like, all right, my bet already hit. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'm going to watch the Nolan Ryan documentary. And it's that, first of all, they said that he throws 108 miles an hour. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, That's okay. not real. Yeah, I don't know. I want to ask Joe Poznanski that, friend of the pod. I want to <laughs> see if, like, he actually thinks that. Because sometimes, I don't know. I don't know. So gravity does not allow a pitch to rise from an overhand delivery. It is impossible for a pitch to rise. But the more spin you get, the more perceived rise it has. He's got great it stays on, like on his fastball. It stays on a line. The higher spin, the more on a closed line it stays. And it's spin efficiency too. And he keeps getting better with that. The thing with Painter is he gets like 21 of induced vert. Yeah, which is crazy. Induced vertical break is kind of what the more induced vertical break you have, the more it stays on that line. Andrew Painter is as elite as it gets in that department. And Yuri Perez is not far off, but I mean, he has ridiculous spin rates. Number five and number six. Extremely interesting. I think Mets fans might be a little bit upset, and I think Blue Jays fans will be over the moon. Number six, yeah. Francisco Alvarez, New York Mets, 20 years old in AAA. Gable Moreno, and number five of the Toronto Blue Jays, also another catching prospect. You you gave them both future values of 65. It's hard to kind of separate them, but Francisco Alvarez was possibly the number one overall prospect and is not anymore. He's at six. It's not a detriment. It's not like he fell. It's not like he's not going to be good anymore. Yeah. But Gabriel Moreno did rise here. Like what was the separator between the two? Honestly, just, just risk. Um, again, you, you look at two guys who play the same position and I, I mean, obviously there's no doubting that Francisco Alvarez has the upside bat wise to be, you know, one of the better offensive forces in, in baseball, regardless of position, but not as well-rounded of a catcher. He's you know good enough to stay behind the dish, but not as well-rounded of a catcher as, as Moreno. Uh, and you know there was definitely some whiff concerns as he climbed up. It's important to note he's 20 years old, uh, so you know he has plenty of time to work it out. But there was, uh, I would say, a little bit of a gap in his swing and approach that was exploited in triple, and it just continued to get exploited. We talk about high spin fastballs. You got to hit those to have success at the big league level or lay off them. I'm like trout and he doesn't do either. He doesn't hit them and he swings at them a lot. Uh, Francisco Alvarez started to see fastballs up in the zone as much as anybody in the minors and was whiffing at them. They really, as much as anybody in triple a 37% in zone whiff rate on heaters, which, I mean, if you're struggling against fastballs, you know, it's going to be very hard to be successful. He's going to be fine long-term. He's still the number six prospect in baseball. But again, it kind of goes into the risk here. A guy that's struggling with heaters, uh, and it's kind of spilling into struggles with, with off-speed pitches because he's cheating for it and not as advanced defensively. Gabriel Moreno doesn't have a nearly that offensive ceiling, but plus hit tool, really good defender, and also comes with a little bit of power that you can dream on. It, it took a step back this year, the power, but I still think you can hit 15, 20 home runs. I want the safer bet, and that's why I put him at five, but Alvarez could easily make me look you know, bad on that uh, with, with what he's able to do uh, but, and, and the upside he has. But Jack, I feel like there's no way this take could make Arm feel bad because of how safe Gabriel Moreno is, right? Like he will just be 
an above average catcher because of how good he is behind home plate and because of how solid the bat is, right? Like you said at the beginning that you agreed with this catcher stack yeah. with with at number nine, then number six, then number five with these three guys. Yeah. Like are you in that same boat? Like this take can't really come back to bite Arum in the in the butt because it is Kim Moreno is so safe. Yeah, like 45-year-old Arum is gonna have his hands clean. He's fine now. He's because okay. yeah, because like if Francisco when Drew Alvarez, Jones is a bust. <laughs> yeah, if if Alvarez is a nine-time all-star, Moreno is a three-time all-star. And, and he can say, Well, I knew that you know, both were going to be all-stars. I just thought Moreno was like slightly better, whatever. Uh, I'll still take a three-time all-star in his career. Uh, That's how safe Moreno is. He can be a more athletic Alejandro Kirk, right? That's I'm signing up for that immediately. The the best catcher of all time. There's more to dream on. There's more to dream on with Francisco Alvarez. But I sleep much more soundly having... Gabriel Moreno in my farm than Alvarez. 89% zone contact with yeah, so. Gabriel Moreno. So in the, just to put it in perspective, in zone whiff for Moreno on fastballs, 11%. In zone whiff for Alvarez on fastballs, like I mentioned, 36%. We're talking about more than triple the whiff rate on heaters. It is worth noting Alvarez is two years younger. Uh, but again, yeah, all the all the tools that kind of add into this, Moreno is one of the better athletes you'll see behind the dish too. Uh Give me the surefire 70 hit tool, good defender that, you know, I can dream on above average power. But I mean, if I already had a really good farm system, like if I'm the Blue Jays, I'm not, I'm not pissed with Alvarez instead because they already have their catcher. You might as well try and get you know, the, the highest ceiling possible. But yeah. most teams are trying to find their long-term catcher. And I think a lot of them would take Moreno because you're pretty much guaranteed to have your catcher for the next decade here. Might I recommend a straight swap of Alvarez and Moreno? Just get them in different situations. That'd be so crazy. You'd be awesome. But none of them will be as good as James McCann. Um, and number four, we throw around the term freakazoid. We throw around the term him. And we've talked about this on the podcast. Maybe we do it too much. Well, so the new thing is every NFL cornerback, when they make an interception, is apparently him. They will find exactly. a camera, look into it, and say, I'm him. And to that I say... No, you're not. Ellie de la Cruz is him. <laughs> Ellie de la Cruz. That's where the nickname makes sense. Ellie de la Cruz is him. Ellie de la Cruz is a freakazoid. He's ranked at number four with the Cincinnati Reds. He's in double A. You're giving him a 65 plus future value. Grow up and rank him one. Yeah. Grow up. You bitch. Because why not? <laughs> I mean, oh my dear Lord, is this guy amazing. He's amazing. Arm rank him one. Do it. I wanted to. I thought about it. Um, And then, you know, I just, I really took a step back again and asked myself, because especially in this range, you're You're at the range. You're just being nervous. You're being nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, hey, when you get to the top four, it's like, okay, I'm starting my franchise. Who am I picking? Because you can really ask yourself that. And uh, and, Ellie De La Cruz has top player in baseball upside for sure. I mean, talking about a switch hitter with plus plus speed. Plus, plus raw power. The hit tool is the question. But, I, I mean, he's somehow found a way to just continue to mash, even though he has some swing and miss concerns. He struck out 30% of the time at every level. But it didn't matter because he hit the ball so frequently. The guy hit how many home runs? What was it? 33 home runs and stole 40 bases. Like, it, it's just insane what he did across high A, 
Oh, sorry, low A, high A, double A. He hit a home run over 500 feet this year from the left side. He's a polished O'Neill Cruz arm. (laughs) I mean, like, O'Neill Cruz's numbers contact-wise were a lot better. And and that kind of shows you how big of a jump it is. And his swing from the right side is further off than his swing from the left side. And I think that's definitely something that is important to note. 762 OPS from the right side wasn't surprising to me after I watched him play. But you look at the left side, he had a 1,024 OPS. He's going to strike out. He's going to strike out 30% of the time. But I always said, like, Eli De La Cruz is everything that Jason Dominguez was supposed to be. And I know Jason Dominguez has turned it around and turned into a really, really solid prospect. But the way Jason Dominguez was regarded is what Eli De La Cruz is. Like, ceiling is off the charts, but there's a lot of risk. I think Dominguez is a safer prospect at this point uh, with not quite the ceiling, obviously, of Eli De La Cruz. If you can hit a ball 500 feet at, at 20 years old while running as fast as anybody and with one of the best arms I've seen in the minors, the only thing he really needs to work on is you know consistency bats a ball-wise, but I think he's he's pretty okay there. It's really the approach. He chases the ball 36% of the time, so really high chase rate that I think he can improve upon, and then his hands at short are a little bit firm. If he can soften those up, could end up being one of the most insane prospects we've seen in a long time in players. Jack, are you willing to roll the dice with Ellie De La Cruz as number one, or you think four is perfect? Uh, I think four is good, but I will stand by what I said. And uh, our guy Jace on Twitter, who uh, is a great friend of the program, I, I wanted to find this because I wanted that that direct quote. I think I said this on the call-up at the end of August. I said, Ellie De La Cruz is the best non-major league baseball player on earth. And I, I stand by that. I, I think he is the best baseball player, not in major league baseball right now. Um, and, and I think Grayson Rodriguez is the best pitcher. And I know we're going to get to G rod in a moment here, but um, I, I do think if, if you gave me the pick of every human being on the planet that said, start a baseball team, only thing is they haven't made their MLB debut. I'm going with Ellie De La Cruz. That's a good place to end Ellie De La Cruz and get into the best pitching prospect on this list. Grayson Rodriguez at number three. Unfortunately, his season was cut short. He's been dealing with a little bit of injuries, but we did see him come back. Yeah. And man, is he good. <laughs> I mean, I remember Aram. I think I had a take, which now I'm, I kind of want to walk back from the Shane Boz versus Grayson Rodriguez take. And with me, with Boz, was I was just so floored by the lack of effort yeah. for this kid. But I remember when we were kind of debating about it, you are like, Grayson, it may be more effort and maybe doesn't have an as electric second pitch, but he has four and he's six, five, and he throws as hard. So I'm going to take Grayson. I was like, I'm going to take Boz. The more I really look at it, the more I think I was incorrect. The four-pitch mix is just crazy. Crazy. And it's potentially four-plus pitches. Like, 70-grade fastball, 60-grade slider, curveball that's 55 present with a 60 future, and then his changeup might be one of the best changeups I've ever seen. Like His changeup might be one of the best minor league changeups I've ever seen. Um, He just carves guys up lefty righty doesn't matter you're not hitting it he throws that pitch 20 percent of the time and opponents this year hit 167 207 244 it's a 451 ops with a 48 percent k rate on his changeup. Yeah. so when you have a 95 to 97 mile an hour fastball and a changeup that is potentially 80 grade i i put 70 present 80 future and then also have a pair of breaking balls with the slider and the curveball that are what they are 
And by the way, he throws strikes this season. He only walked 9% of batters, and I think it'll continue to get better. I think some of the injuries and returning, he walked more guys than he thought. But 109 strikeouts, 28 walks this year. <laughs> I, th- I think he could start opening day for the Orioles. I don't know the last time we've seen a guy make his debut as the opening day starter, but Grayson Rodriguez, the second he's promoted, is the best pitcher on the Baltimore Orioles, and I think he's going to hit the ground running. His Vigo has gone up every year as the season's gone on. This year, of course, he got hurt. So that that made it a little bit of an anomaly there where we couldn't get accurately like follow that. In previous seasons, Vigo went up as the year went on. This guy's a workhorse. I think he's going to stay healthy. I think the lat injury was was a kind of a you know a random thing here. He's been healthy for most of his minor league career. I think he could, be, he could end up winning multiple Cy Youngs. We talked about Jason Dominguez and how the article you wrote was Yankee porn. The Orioles are in heaven because they just heard you spew that Grayson Rodriguez could be an ace very soon and could be making his MLB debut as the opening day starter. But there's another Oriole higher on this list, and his name is Gunnar Henderson. We've already seen him in the bigs. And I got to say, I know it's been a limited sample, so it's so tough to judge, and I'm not. It's just what I've seen from watching Orioles games and watching Diamondbacks games, because we're going to get into number one, Gunner looks like a better hitter at this point than Carroll. But again, this is, we're projecting like long-term success and, and Carroll has more tools. And I know Dustin, our guy is like, has been on the Corbin Carroll train and I understand Carroll won, but I'm obsessed with Gunnar Henderson. I think he is one of the next great shortstops in the league. I mean, what he's done this year is crazy already. It, to, to have a 135 WRC plus in 27 big league games is is silly. Uh, he he brings crazy tools across the board. He's an above average hitter. He's got plus raw power. He's an average runner at least. And I, I think the glove is is pretty solid. And I think he can stick it short if needed. He can play third where he projects quite fine over there. He turned 21 years old three months ago. Uh, so, I mean, Grace, it was really, it was always going to be Gunnar Henderson versus Corbin Carroll for me. Uh, ultimately, that's what it came down to. We went with Corbin Carroll at number one, and uh, I'll, I'll make that case when we get to him. But really, it's 1A, 1B. Gunnar Henderson is pretty much, I think you can expect him to be and what we're already seeing flashes of, which is 275, 280, you know, 20 to 25, maybe 30 home runs, and then also just bring in tools in across the board. He's going to get on base at a pretty good clip does a lot of things really well. Uh, I, I've loved Gunnar Henderson for a long time, and it's pretty cool to just see him, you know, develop into this frontline prospect and, you know, core piece of what is the future of the Orioles. Let's make this conversation easier. Let's bring in the number one prospect, and his name is Corbin Carroll. We've already seen him in the bigs. He's the fastest player in Major League Baseball. Yep. Like, n- I'm not joking here. I'm not being hyperbolic. He's faster than Bobby Witt. He's faster than Trey Turner. He's faster than C.J. Abrams. He's faster than Jorge Mateo. Faster than Buxton. This is the fastest player in Major League Baseball who could hit 30 home runs and play a very well above average outfield. And I'm even in my own head thinking to myself, Dustin's like, no, he could play an elite outfield, Peter. Like, say elite. Don't say above average. Elite. Like, this is a five-tool guy who doesn't look like a five-tool player, right? Like you look at Corbin Carroll on the field and you don't think five tools, but he is, right? I mean, that's that's the craziest part is what really, you know, if if you asked me maybe a couple months ago, I probably would have said, I I think Gunner would have ended up being the number one prospect. And, you know, Corbin Carroll, I took some of the power numbers with a grain of salt because he was playing in the PCL, which we've talked about, which is just a very hitter-friendly environment. And even in double A, what is that, Amarillo, Jack? Yep. Amarillo. 
It's another hitter friendly environment. Um, so the, you know, the power numbers were a little bit higher, but if you look at exit velos, 90th percentile exit velo, which is, I think the most important thing, it's more important than max exit velocity. And it's more important than average exit velocity. Cause it's, you know, really how often are you hitting the ball hard and, and what does it look like? His 90th percentile exit velo is tops in the organization, just edging out Christian Walker for number one in the entire org. Talking about that from a guy that's 5'10", 170, and an 80-grade runner. Uh, on top of that, four outs above average in left field. They, they're playing him in left because Alec Thomas was playing center. Four outs above average in 137 innings in left field. Then he goes to center. He's played 25 innings out there, already one out above average there. So he is an elite defender in the outfield, could win gold gloves no matter what pot, spot you put him in over the three spots. He is ridiculously fast, obviously, which you can see on the base paths, above average, power that I think is close to plus with how hard he hits the baseball can spray the ball all over has all the intangibles above average hit tool. I, I just think this guy is, is as dynamic as they come. I'm seeing the defense the way it is. He's going to be a, a war monster. Uh, even if the offense isn't all the way there, but then if he's hitting 25 homers, which I think he will while also hitting 280 and walking at a good clip, that's one of the better war guys in baseball. And, and one of the more dynamic, well-rounded players you're going to find. Jack, I was going to ask you, who would you compare Corbin Carroll to? But I almost feel that it's sort of impossible. Yeah. Like what it, kind of profile do we have in the big leagues right now that is similar to him? Acuna, maybe? No. Like, no? No, because Acuna's power is much, much louder than Corbin yeah. Carroll's is. I was just thinking um, of Carroll's five tool freaks i mean Cunha's fast as shit when he's not dealing with an acl thing now i'm gonna buy myself some time by laying out the cons to corbin carroll is mitch hanniger your comp no i don't think so uh <laughs> but i i need some more time here corbin carroll at no stop in his professional career has ever laid down a sacrifice bunt. that's a massive massive issue uh in 26 games and 93 plate appearances he has only been hit by two pitches Con. get grittier Agreed. Crowd the plate and take it on the face, Corbin. Agreed. Agreed. Um, the other con, when he did get called up, he was in the dugout in Reno. And I've talked to Arm about this often. <laughs> yeah, we have talked about this. His dap up of like his teammates was really weird. It felt it was, mechanical. It was, it was not loose. It was not fluid. So hard dap up. Put him 10th. Put him near Chorio. <laughs> now, Are you kidding me? The My, dap is one of the most important things in baseball. I, dude, I, I, I try to I try to get as much dap data and, and video as I could. The X dap? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now that was the it, only thing wrong with Carol. That bought me enough time to think about a, a good enough comp. And offensively, kind of feels like a, a mid to late 20s Altuve. Does he not? Ooh. Here was mine. Peak Jacoby Ellsbury. That's a that's a pretty good one too. Yeah, like that year where he hit thirty and felt like he stole fifty and hit three hundred. Then the Yankees gave him seven years and he like accum accumulated thirty home runs over that seven year span. Yeah. So I'm talking that one peak here with Ellsbury, one of the fastest in baseball, played a very good center field and was close to snuck, thirty home runs. Snuck power. Yeah, I th I think I think those are both pretty pretty comparable. And I think I was mine's thinking better though. Yeah, for sure, mine's better. 
You know, because you look at what he did. Uh, I'm looking at at Jose Altuve right now, and like 20. I'm, I'm How about his MVP the, year? Let's I'm going to avoid the MVP year. I want to. You were going to avoid his MVP year. How about the, I, year well, the MVP that? year? Was was silly. Like I, I can't I can't project Corbin Carroll hitting 346. <laughs> okay, well let's look at let's look Not at up. career numbers then. Career numbers for Jose Altuve over 162 slash 307, 362, 467 averages about 40 doubles a year, 20 homers a year, 29 stolen bases a year. Yeah. That's to a T honestly. It's kind of Corbin Carroll, right? Yeah. And yeah, it's I think that's to a T. He had 20 off the top of my head I think he had 27 home runs this year and like 31 stolen bases between double and triple in the big leagues now. And, and so. the career and the career K rate and walk rate, career K rate for Altuve is 21%. You think that's probably where Carroll hovers? Yeah, you know, Carroll's was a little bit higher in triple. I think he was just trying to do too much damage. Um, yeah. The bat-to-ball skills are too good. I think he'll, he'll settle back into low 20s, high teens. Um, I, I was just floored by the power. I don't think people – and the one thing I want to say, the last thing I want to say on Carroll is I don't think people realize – again, the 90th percentile exit below is one way that I can really conceptualize that for, for people is you know, just how he actually tops the organization here. And I know it's a hitter-friendly environments, Jack, but 481 is 481. He had a home run 481 feet this year. Like, I don't really care where that is. You don't even see guys at core hitting home runs 481 feet all the time, right? Like, it, it doesn't happen that often. And when it does, it's a, usually a big-time power guy that does it. It's not just some random dude that snaps a 500-foot homer. Um uh, Ron McMahon. Yeah, yeah that, well, tell that random. to Jesus Sanchez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Jesus Sanchez has some of the best raw power in in, in the minor leagues, or in, in basically, it's a ball hard as shit. He does. You're right. No, I mean 481 is 481, and 481. It, it uh, was that Amarillo that he hit it or Reno. Uh, that is a great question. It was yeah. one of them, and they're comparable environments. Amarillo is a little bit more hitter friendly than Reno, but. I mean, at a place like that, 481 is equivalent to like 450 elsewhere. I mean, it's, it's a tank. <laughs> it's a tank. It's an absolute nuke job. So uh, I, I think he made the right decision. 510, 170. So I have a couple of, I have a couple kind of rapid fire questions as we wrap up here, just on the entire top 100. I am curious. First one, who was the player that just missed the top 100 that maybe you grappled with? There was a couple. Um, Alex Ramirez from the Mets was definitely one of them. Dax Fulton with the Marlins was one of them. Um, Petty. I know Jack can help me with this too. Who Chase else? Petty. Chase Petty with the Reds was another one of them that, you know, I really like what he's done, but just not quite there. Um, and there was one or two others that I was really – Griff McGarry, though, was, was yeah, one that I was definitely great. very much juggling, and it was just the command that kept with him who? out. He's with the Phillies. Uh, Griff McGarry with the Phillies. And uh, Will Dion with the Guardians. Will Dion with the Guardians, nasty, nasty, but just not enough uh, track record there. Uh, I, two others, Emmanuel Rodriguez with the Twins. Yes, that was one that was down to the wire, too injury prone at this point, and some swing holes. And the one that hurts is Nick York. Yeah, he. I tried. I really tried. Nick York with the Red Sox. That's guy I loved. Looked as lost as humanly possible this year. I know you're very broken up about that, Peter. I'm crying tears over. I don't know. Here. I don't know why you're preying on Nick York's downfall. He's just I'm a not. kid. No, I'm not. I was just talking about no, Red I'm Sox. Not. No, it's Peter Red Sox. Well, you know what? Yeah, I am. I hope he sucks. I hope all Red Sox. Players. I can't wait to get Nick York on the pod next week. <laughs> I, and I'll be going to tell it to his face and be like, yeah. I want you to suck. Yeah. But 
why are you not going to suck, Mr. York? That's going to be my first question. going to crush you. He, he, he's built to beat the Yankees. Exactly. That's why I don't want him to do well, but he probably will. Um, next question. What was the toughest decision within the top 100? Like Ooh. what between this guy, this guy, like what kept you up at night? What prolonged this the most? What was that tough decision? Cop out is Corbin Carroll, Gunnar Henderson. Uh, That one really did keep me up a long time. Um, I would say Moreno Alvarez was really, really, really difficult. And then Yuri Perez versus Andrew Painter was really tough too. Uh, Ultimately, you know, I kind of led into some of the reasoning behind that. And then one last one last one that I think was was pretty difficult to sort out was where to peg. Robert Hassel and Zach Veen, two guys I love, two guys I am not sounding the alarms on, and I, you know, I, I think people are always just see someone trending like this, and they're like, oh my gosh, but he Hassel's the forty third ranked prospect, and Veen's the forty sixth ranked prospect. It's my top fifty prospects in baseball here, right? Um, but that's arrow down. Um, how much is the arrow down? How much should I be concerned about those guys? It was very difficult to, to gauge. Um, I still think both can be all-stars and I think both have flashed incredible things, but I think both also showed that there's a little bit more risk than we initially thought. And it was tough to try to gauge that. There were, there were also a couple of guys that, um, you and I had conversations with and, and Aram said something to the tune of how high can I push them? Like, is, is this too high for them? And, and we landed much higher than pretty much anybody else. Uh, Colton Kowser was one of those guys that you wanted to push really high. Yep. Um, Gavin Williams was one of those guys that you wanted to push really high. Andy Rodriguez at 40 is hey. chaos, but I love it. We had him top 100 before the season, so got to pat ourselves on the back on that one. Uh, and then Naylor and Brandon Fott at 44 and 45. Brandon Fott was- is fun, and I think he's quickly become a favorite of the both of us. Absolutely. Okay, speaking on that point. Who were you most right about from the last top 100? And who were you most wrong about? Nick York. <laughs> Nick York for sure. Yeah. Uh, I had You're Nick most York. wrong on Nick York. Uh, yeah, most wrong on Nick York. I had him way up there. Um, you were right on Andy. Yeah, right on Andy. We were the only ones in the entire universe to have him in the top 100. Ellie De La Cruz, I think we had higher than everybody else going into this year. He was in the 50 range. Um it's a great question. Who else were we like really? Oh, another one that that really was surprising this year was Bryce Terang, by the way. And I did not have him ahead of this season. Yeah. He has been crazy to watch. Um, I would say Andy's probably the biggest hit, right? I mean, the, the guy was the best hitter in the minor leagues this year. Yeah, and, Andy uh, and we had are the two biggest hits. Yeah, Andy Rodriguez, Ellie De La Cruz would be the two biggest. And Colton Kowser. We had Kowser at like 40 last year, yeah. and he has been – just phenomenal this season as well in the Orioles organization. Kowser's been special. Yeah. I need to hear more things you're wrong about. Have you ever been wrong? So you're wrong on Nick York. Where else? Wrong on Nick York. I think I you was... were kind of wrong on Luciano. What, too high on him? Yeah. I think you might have yeah. been a little too high on Marco Luciano. Yeah, yeah I would say so. Um, banged up this year and just, just, just has a lot of concerns. Honestly, that was when I got some feedback from some people I respect that said you know we're we're dropping him a little bit more right now so um i th- I definitely think that's that's one that was probably a little bit too gung-ho on but the and, raw power is crazy and are you eating the l on quinn priester yet or no you tell me what should i do you just saw him pitch two days ago uh he is a pittsburgh pirates farmhand i do <laughs> really enjoy calling his games and 
Uh, I think he's really talented. You've got you've got Priester and you've got Burroughs in the top 100. Burroughs at 100. I like the ceiling of Mike Burroughs more than I like the ceiling of Quinn Priester, but I think both those guys are going to be damn good major league pitchers for a while. Okay. I agree. Andy Pajes? Like, I guess, but... Kind of wrong on that. Like, I'll wear that one, better. too. Yeah. Last one. Last one from me. What was just some weird shit? Like, birthdays? Like, what? what is... <laughs> Jack, you were reading through it too. Like, what was some of just the things that pointed out to you that aren't even on the baseball spectrum? Like, all these kids are nineteen. Oh, Jack's king or... of that shit. Yeah, we're yeah. What, what's what's super weird about this top one hundred? What's weird about this top one hundred? Yeah. Um. Well, the is it the obsession with eighteen year olds? I think so. The, the back kids. end, the back weird. end is not okay with slashes in the birth dates. It was dashes instead of slashes. Oh, that, that was miserable. Little, that took <laughs> a little bit of time for me and Aram. <laughs> um, so yeah, there were some there were some back end things that were uh, were pretty weird about this top one hundred. Uh, I don't know about anything that's weird. I thought it was like I think it's beautifully weird that the Rockies are so exciting now. Yeah, yeah, that, that's Rockies that's my big weird. thing. I mean, no number Tobar, of catchers. Drew, yeah. Well, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, I mean like Tovar, Drew Romo, uh Adeel Amador. Veen is like the fourth most exciting guy right now, which is Yeah. Wild. Which is just insane. I, I would say the amount of catchers is freaking bizarre because talk about the catching position in the big leagues. Like we always talk about this, Peter. It sucks overall. It sucks. Like it's just really bad. And I I don't I didn't count it. But like I could literally count it right now. Like I'll just go through all the catchers, which just to put in perspective for people. Number one catching prospects, Gabriel Moreno. Number two is Francisco Alvarez. Number three catching prospects, Diego Cartaya. Then you still have a bunch of other guys. Logan O'Hoppy, who I love, just is another catcher. He was the Athletics yeah. Minor League Player of the Year. You see that? Yeah. Or the you mean the uh, the Phillies? No, he was the Athletics Overall Minor League Player of the Year. The Athletic, the publication. Oh, Keith the Law. Athletic. Oh. Keith Law like, named him up? named him the Minor League Player of the Year overall. That's best sick. player in I minor mean, league. He's baseball. our twenty seventh ranked prospect for a reason. What, is that four catchers that we just listed there? Yeah, Andy Rodriguez is five. Bo Naylor is six. Drew Romo seven. Henry Davis is eight. Harry Ford nine. Like that's nine. Ten is Luis Camposano. Eleven is Kevin Parada. 12 is Yvonne Herrera. More than 10, 12% of the top 100 list is catchers. That's a well, very meanwhile, at the same got. time, at the big league level, catchers stink. There's not even 12 good catchers in Major League Baseball. 12% of this list is catchers. Yeah. We're about to hit the golden era of catching. I'm very okay, excited for that. But huh. is it, it, okay, how about this though? Is it you loving catchers or is it the revolution, right? Because like how many other lists have 12 catchers, a lot. right? Is okay. No, yeah. Tell me. I don't That's know. a good question, though. Yeah, yeah. A lot of these guys are top 100 guys consensus, mm. and that's with Adley graduating, by the way. Yeah, that's with Adley graduating, and like Alexander Kirk sense. was not a like was a prospect like a couple of minutes ago. Yeah. So that'll do it for the just baseball top 100. Unless you guys have anything more, I'll give us our lead on. We'll say goodbye. I uh, know. I appreciate you guys uh, teeing me up, and I uh, appreciate everybody listening to me ramble about prospects. If you for some reason enjoyed that check out the call up podcast because uh, we're breaking down every prospect in detail we just put out the episode of 100 through 81 uh it was a lot of fun and we're going to continue to go 81 downward into another three four episodes and then also interviews with a lot of different guys that are on the list uh through the off season to look forward to as well peter thank you for being ricky rubio on this one 
I'd like to say Chris Paul, but Ricky Rubio, I'll take. Um, definitely go check out the call-up. Arm and Jack will be going through all of these in much more detail, especially because we just did 50 through 41 kind of big takeaways. Then we kind of breeze through the top 10, um, but they're going uh, 100 to 80, you know, all that jazz on the call-up. Definitely go check that out. Also, NFL picks are now live on Not Gambling Advice. As you're listening to this, the Friday episode, should it'll be up most likely later in the afternoon. Uh, so NFL picks for week four will be up. Um, and of course, all of these different write-ups are on JustBaseball.com. And feel free to share the write-ups from the top 100. They're easily shareable on Twitter. They're shareable on social media. If you like a certain prospect, if you think Arm's an idiot, and you're like, yeah. this doesn't make any sense, like share it. We'll we'll yeah. we'll dive deep into your mentions, and you know we'll we'll get some of those crazy people. But I, I we love the crazy people. The crazy people are what makes us happy. It makes us better. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed this episode. We will see you on Monday with Jack and Arm. We're going to continue to headline the playoffs, but we we continue to do so. We thought this was a good break. Friday, just baseball top 100. Arm, you did a phenomenal job. It's the most comprehensive list on the internet that you can get for free. We also have to clap it up for my guy, Jack McMullen, changing all those commas and also helping Arm on the back end. I know Dustin was helping you as well, kind of with some write-ups and just kind of bouncing ideas off. And is there anybody else that, you know, was in the picture because – if you did this all yourself, you're insane. There's got to be other people. Uh, yeah, just a lot of a lot of very accessible people in minor league baseball that you know is able to bounce stuff off of and talk to. But yeah, you know, Dustin was a big help on some Dodgers guys. He's really great baseball mind and loves getting his thoughts on a lot of those Dodger guys. And um, yeah, it's it was it was a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to hopefully having more and more help on these as we go forward too, because uh, it does take a little bit of time. But I, I I really appreciate everybody checking it out and sharing it. Phenomenal piece on JustBaseball.com. Make sure you get your Just Baseball merch. Use code JustBaseball when you download prize picks. Get your diet smoke. And with that, thank you. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands. And are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.